So I'd like to uh, talk about the role of energetic effort in our practice. In our mindfulness practice, uh, we're developing our ability to know our minds. And so we spend a lot of time paying attention to what's there. And um, one of the qualities that we mentioned um, earlier, uh, I guess yesterday, is the quality of acceptance. Um, That to get to know the mind, we have to accept what's there. We have to um, uh, examine what's there, and we can only do that with that very open quality. But in addition to acceptance, uh, another quality that's very much needed in the practice is that of what we call effort or energetic effort. Um, <coughs> the Pali word for that is virya, and um, or virya, and it actually translates into the state of a hero, and uh, or a strong person also. Uh, and sometimes you can really feel that, that you have to apply some really heroic effort to stay with uh, some difficult uh, states, difficult feelings. Um, sometimes it takes just as much heroic effort to be with, um, or impatience, as it does to be with really terrible feelings you might have that are really hard to handle. Uh, sometimes they both require heroic effort. Um, The Buddha said that the practice is for one who is energetic, not for one who is lazy. One arouses energy for abandoning unwholesome qualities and for acquiring wholesome ones. Um, And, you know, when the Buddha said that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people think that, uh, well, I'm not you know, I'm not lazy, you know, I work hard all day, you know, I've got all these projects. Um, But what this refers to is um, being energetic in relation to what's going on in your mind. Um, And what we're looking to do with our effort is to notice in our minds what's happening in our mind that helps us be skillful, that helps generate skillful states, and noticing what takes us away from the skillful. Uh, The skillful moves us towards freedom. The unskillful moves us towards slavery, towards uh, suffering. And so the effort that we apply in our minds is an effort towards freedom. And keeping that in mind as you um, uh, find this really seductive fantasy in your mind, Um, You know, it can be easy to be really uh, complacent about it. Oh, that's kind of fun. You know, is this uh, a a skillful thing to be doing? Uh, You know, devoting all this time to meditation. Is it skillful to be spending time, uh, you know, indulging a fantasy? And uh, pulling away from the fantasy takes effort. You know, the mind really wants to hang out there. It's so, such a uh, cozy place. You know, it's not that uh, fantasizing at all isn't good. You know, so, um, you know, we fantasize. That's that's a natural thing. But um, you know, we're doing this work, and this work requires really getting to know the mind. What's really forward leading towards freedom, and what takes us away. There are two two major aspects of. Um, 
energetic effort I want to mention. Um, what we can direct our effort to and how we direct that effort. Um, so in the, in the Eightfold Path, the Buddha's uh, you know, teachings of, of liberation, uh, effort is the um, uh, sixth step of the path. It's a whole step all by itself because it's so essential. It's, it's, it's held in equal weight as mindfulness, as concentration. And um, it has uh, four different aspects. And uh, the four different things that you pay attention to in the mind. And the first one is we want to um, prevent unwholesome, unskillful mental states. So how do we do that? How do we prevent them? How do we stop them from arising? So primarily by being connected, by paying attention to our, our felt sense experience uh, and being on guard for when things get pleasant and unpleasant, um, when we're on guard of the hindrances. Uh, for instance, um, let's say you're uh, you know, doing a nice uh, you know, walking meditation, you're very uh, focused on your body, you're uh, very present, and, you know, you hear this, you know, beautiful bird in the background, you know, and, you know, you can appreciate the bird, you know, and you go, oh, wow, that's really beautiful, and, uh, and you know, and then go back to walking meditation, or you can go, oh, a bird, I wonder, you know, they're so nice, maybe I should get a pet bird, you know, desire cut on. You know, we had a, this nice little experience, and now I wonder what kind of bird I should get. You know, and suddenly your mind is, is um, you know, spinning in, in this, uh, you know, what appears to be a harmless direction, but it's just not a useful direction. And, um, and so, uh, what we're lo- you know, what we did is we took something pleasant and we tried to grab it, to try to keep it, we tried to hold on to it. And that's clinging. It may not seem like it, it's a, a big deal. I just, you know, fantasize about getting a, a parakeet, you know. Um, it, but it's that clinging aspect that we immediately tend to do uh, out of this very deep mind habit when we get pleasant experiences. Um, or I don't know if any of you encountered this during lunch today. Did any of you, you know, eat something really delicious and then immediately... I want more, even when you still had some more in your plate. Did that arise for anybody? You know, that's, that's clinging, right? That's the clinging. And in the moment, it's, it seems, you know, sure, that's, you know, but recognizing that that's clinging, uh, that, that that's what's going on. Uh, we don't have to judge it. We just have to see it, understand it. And so by staying really connected like you were, like, m- you know, most of you paid extra attention because of uh, the, the great little words that uh, from Matthew kind of guided us into that luncheon. Um, so you were very aware of that. So you probably didn't start eating your, your you know, your s- next scoop really quickly, right, when you uh, encountered that. You kind of took your time and, and you watched that and, you know, you let it go. Um, so by being on the lookout, you know, for what comes in through the senses, we can prevent unskillful states.
you know, take a moment before I go on to the next one and pay attention to your mental state right this moment. Are you completely here? Is there any part of you that's moving forward? Any part of you that's pushing some unpleasant experience away or wanting something? You know, and can you, can you just be in your body in this moment, listening to my voice, completely here? So making that choice to, to not lean whenever we see it. So the, the next of the right efforts is to abandon the right effort, the, abandon the uh, unskillful mental thought, ac- mental activity, once it's already there. Um, I find especially on the first day of retreat, uh, a lot, I do a lot of that. <laughs> uh, a lot of letting go of, um, you know, maybe uh, sloth and torpor, irritation, impatience, you know, letting go, letting go, letting go. Um, and, um, you know, the prevention is great, you know, but that takes a little bit more skill. We find it a little bit easier to, oh, once we're caught, to let it go. We, t- we tend to see that more obviously. Uh, it's a little subtler to get it before it before we catch it. <clears throat> and the nice thing about um, mindfulness is that when we're, we find ourselves caught in something, you know, let's say we're, we just aren't feeling, um, you know, in the flow and we're, you know, maybe a little grumpy and we're, um, you know, uh, you know, my, my meditation is supposed to be much better by now. I'm supposed to have a great sitting. Look at all those other people. They're all peaceful, and, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, and I'm not, you know. And, and you can get all caught up in that stuff. But the moment that you bring mindfulness to it, it's not like you're going to s- snap your fingers and suddenly you're blissed out. But it already transforms it because you're already not caught in it anymore. And at that moment when you can actually see it for itself, oh, here I am clinging to this idea that my sitting should be different. I'm clinging to this idea, to, you know, to, to this uh, dark state, this heavy state. Uh, I'm judging it, uh, you know, and you see all that, you know, but you're sit- sitting away from it and being mindful of it. And it begins to change because you're no longer in the middle. You're sitting outside of it. And you don't have to force it. It's enough to just see it, incline the mind to let go of it. Sometimes you can just drop it. Uh, when we see, it's, you know, when we see the suffering that our thoughts are causing us, we really see it clearly. It's like, um, you know, the, the, the traditional metaphor is if you've got a hot coal in your hand, you're going to drop it. You don't have to go, oh, should I keep it in my hand? Or, you know, you're just going to drop it. And in, in that same way, when we see how we make ourselves suffer, just by our thoughts, it's really just these thoughts that we, we you know, form in certain ways and, and make ourselves miserable or make ourselves uh, just tense or anxious. And so we can really see that clearly. It, it drops all by itself. Some of these contractions 
are really old and very, very habitual. And so they may not just drop the moment you want them to drop, but that's okay. You know, you just incline in that direction. You know, it's it's enough. You know, and yeah, yeah. And, and you compa- bring compassion towards yourself and patience. So the the third of the um, right efforts is um, cultivation. So the first two are both letting go. You know, you um, let r- r- deal with um, unskillful states. You know, preventing them and letting go of them. The next two is about developing the skillful states, the um, the wholesome states. And um, and you know, every time we return to the breath. We're developing patience. We're developing attention. You can cultivate loving kindness. Every time you uh, are compassionate towards yourself, towards someone else. So, uh, you know, the practice is always cultivating this. Uh, but you can also cultivate it with a little bit more, um, more choice. Um, One of the things that's really helpful for cultivating our attention is our posture. And not only in the meditation hall, but how we are the rest of the time. Um, you know, as one of the Zen teachers, I, I, I heard once, you know, um, um, Yvonne, uh, Yvonne Rand said, you know, uh, if you really want to wake up, don't lean, uh, lean or slouch. <laughs> That's quite a gradient, but you know it, it's an attitude. You know, it's like if you're kind of slouching on your sofa, you know, um, you're not going to have a lot of energy. You know, so um, it's really about staying, you know, staying present in your body, being present in the moment. Um, another way of cultivating, you know, is um, like. Um, some of us are very have a very uh, habitual judging mind, and I always remember Joseph Goldstein, one of my teachers. You know, he said that he noticed um, on one retreat that he was just constantly judging. You know, it didn't matter who walked by; he had something nasty to think about them. You know, and or something about himself, or something about the food, or something about, and just judgment after judgment after judgment. You know, and um, uh, and not even this, you know, not that nasty, but just some critical, something critical. You know, and uh, so he decided during the next uh, walking period, he would just sit down and watch everyone, and every time somebody walked by and there was a judgment in his mind, he numbered them. And during the, um, you know, 45-minute walking period, you know, he got over a 1,000, you know. And, um, you know, but it also gave him a perspective. Oh, judgment, that's a judgment, you know. And to not take our judgment so seriously. And, um, you know, and one of the uh, practices that I've done at times, um, I you know, a number of years ago is, uh, you know, because I found that in myself too. I found that kind of, those qualities. I really, um, 
uh, resonated with Joseph when he told that. You know, I thought, you know, he's talking about me. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I took the I took the practice of in a public space to um, uh, to spend a little time finding what something positive about everyone I saw. It didn't matter what it was, you know, and um, and I always remember I was at a uh, um, airport, and um, this uh, woman was dragged her kid by the arm in this really horrible way, you know, and um, you know, and the kid was screaming, and she was just kind of treating him like luggage, you know, and and uh, just an annoyance, you know, and my mind just immediately very protective and and very judgmental. And I thought, okay, can I see anything, um, anything about her, you know? And I go, oh, she's wearing a pretty blue sweater, you know? <laughs> and even though it was trivial, and, you know, and, and yes, there was an issue in, in, in what she was doing. It wasn't okay what she was doing. But it let me see her more as a, um, it allowed me to see her more at, than just the person who was doing that. And, um and just the habit of looking for that uh, really helped soften my heart, really helped decrease um, uh, my tendency to be so harsh on myself and on the world. Um, you know, so if you find yourself being really judgmental of yourself, uh, can you just appreciate yourself? Wow, look, I'm here. Look at all the effort and time I'm putting into this, you know, uh, or appreciate anything, anything about yourself, you know, how caring you are, how, how um, wonderful you are to the person in the room next to you, or whatever it is that, that uh, you, you find. Um, so we look at those habits of mind, and, um, and we can strengthen the ones that help us be more, uh, you know, more, uh, open, more loving, and lead us to freedom as opposed to suffering. And the last of the four wise efforts is um, is uh, to keep it going. If you have um, <coughs> if you have a wholesome state going on, is to maintain it. And um, you know we don't want to be over manipulating our experience. So what do I mean by that? What, the way I I use that for myself is that. Um, uh, you know, especially if if the first day has been a bit of a challenge, for instance, uh, you know, and I I remember feeling, um, you know, I'd been working really hard all day, and and it was you know kind of challenging, and then finally at some point I start feeling really good and really comfortable, and 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 the comfort and happiness started getting into kind of a little bit of a dreamy place, and and it just felt so good not to be challenged 
that this, um, instead of being alert and, and alive and aware, I was kind of dreamily complacent, you know. And, and so, you know, part of it is like, okay, so, so it feels good, which is fine, which is great. So can we still feel good, but bring just a little bit of awareness to it? So maintain those good feelings. Um, you know, par- part of maintaining is acknowledging that they're there. You know, sometimes we're only used to looking at what's wrong with our experience. And, you know, when it's right, you know, we don't, we don't acknowledge it, we don't notice it. So when we're feeling good, to acknowledge it, to appreciate it. And, uh, and if we're starting to get complacent around it, then to just uh, bring a little bit of, uh, of vitality to it, to make sure we're staying awake and aware of it. <coughs> I think that, um, you know, I heard this, but, but one day really uh, penetrated for me uh, that the quality of our inner life is our more most important asset. It's the most important thing we have, is the quality of our inner life. And that's really what we're cultivating on retreat, is, is this quality. And, um, and, you know, when we see uh, you know how c- clearly how the unskillful mental states just contract us and bring us into suffering. When we see that very, very clearly, we w- we just naturally want to let that go. We just naturally want to nurture that that um, you know a heart that's open, a mind that feels pure, a mind that is free, a mind that's non-reactive. One of the things that um, <clears throat> that's really interesting to know about uh, effort is that energy follows our intention. So, for instance, if you um, um, you know you take a little kid, you know, and they're um, they're kind of they're saying, you know, oh, I'm bored, I'm tired, I'm you know, and you say to them, uh, do you want to go to the store to get some ice cream? Uh, what happens, right? You know, they wake up, right? You know, oh, I want that. I'm getting that ice cream. And they get energized. Uh, it's not like they suddenly got, all, you know, all this extra energy out of nowhere. It's that the intention, you know, I want that ice cream to get that ice cream energizes them. But in the same way, um, you know, this happens with, with our minds. Um, you know, we sometimes think that we need energy to make effort. But it's actually the other way around. Making effort gives us energy. And um, if you've ever um, um, felt really tired and forced yourself to exercise, have any of you done that? You know, force yourself to exercise when you're tired. And um, didn't most of you feel more energized when you did? You know, when you were done, you just had more energy than you did before. You know, and uh, it's... it's, um, it's what happens when we put out effort. It's the natural flow of directing our attention, of directing our energy. And um, 
you know, and it's really how, um, you know, s- especially after lunch, did some of you get a little sleepy? Did you, any post-lunch sleepiness, which is really common, you know. And, um, and you know, when we get that sleepiness, by directing our attention, it can wait to the sloth and torpor, to the tiredness, to the qualities of the tiredness. It can wake us up a little bit. Um, what we think about can increase or decrease our energy. So, for instance, um, if we're worrying and planning and and um, you know regretting the past and uh, judging ourselves, all those uh, unskillful things that we might be doing, um, they tire us. They they lower our energy. Uh, if we're thinking about you know. Um, uh, you know, loving, kind, uh, generous, uh, you know, thoughts that give us energy, that make us feel, uh, you know, feel more v- uh, vibrant. Um, some of us are in the habit of, uh, some people, um, when they have a lot of suffering, they go to sleep, you know, s- and uh, they just turn it all off. They just go to sleep. That's what they do. And so it's important to, you know, know yourself. Are, is that what you do? You know, do you just get tired when things are hard? And that's an important thing to pay attention to. You know, as I've said, um, you know, the effort to abandon our unskillful qualities um, needs to be skillful in itself. So it doesn't help um, if you're, um, you know, if you're getting, if you're getting, you know, say you're getting grumpy or getting tired or you know confused, uh, to be mad at yourself, right? So again, you know, the quality of how we apply our effort um, is really. Um, you know, should be really skillful. Um, We need to put out the best effort at any given moment. It's going to look very, very different at different times. For instance, if you're um, ill, you know, you you maybe put it, your best effort might be just laying in bed and just paying very gentle, kind attention, you know, to yourself. Uh, and just being really, really easy on yourself. That might be the best effort. And you can do it with a really uh, whole attitude, with a very healthy, wholesome attitude. Uh, or it may be that at other times, um, you know, y- your best effort is uh, uh, like the effort of a warrior. You know, you're having some deep trauma rising in your consciousness that's really hard to face or a, a really difficult emotion, and you just heroically sit with it. You know, it can just look very, very different. Uh, there isn't a way to apply right effort. It's just what's the the best, clearest effort you can apply at any given moment. And the continuity of that, you know, can we keep a steady applying of that effort uh, as the day goes on, bringing back that energy, bringing back that importance, the urgency of being present, uh, this is why we're here. We're here to wake up. Can we stay close to that in our hearts? You know, here. 
It might be that your best effort is to be really kind to yourself and go take a nap. Sometimes that's exactly what we need. So, um, you know, it includes, you know, the effort to really be kind to yourself when that's, uh, uh, it might look in a very different way for different people. Um, another aspect of effort I think is important to mention is that um, sometimes we don't feel like applying effort. It just feels like too much effort. I'm sure most of you have experienced something like that. Um, and one of the things that I noticed in my own practice uh, and my own daily activities, you know, um, uh, I used to run for many years, I, you know, I ran um, every day, you know, and um, and I used to run like uh, while it was still dark at night, you know, and be cold in the winter, you know, and kind of hurts to breathe because it's so cold, and and you know, but you know, I was religious. That was my that was my religion, you know, and um, and what I always noticed is that I really hated the first ten minutes, <laughs> and you know, it took just my willpower and effort to, it was just unpleasant. And um, the beginning, maybe five minutes, you know, it would stop being so unpleasant. The more I applied the effort, the more pleasant it got. And uh, so that initial beginning was really hard. And, um, and, you know, and then later when I started practicing, you know, I realized that, um, Effort, often just the very beginning of effort, has a l- can have a little of an unpleasant quality. And sometimes we don't want to apply the effort because of that. We don't want to feel that a little bit of unpleasant. But when you realize the reward you get from going through that a little bit of unpleasant, uh, and you do it more and more often, and, and you start getting a confidence that, that it's really worth it. You know, like, um, like dealing with sloth and torpor. You know, I remember the first time I tried to pay attention to sloth and torpor when it was there. Uh, it was like, wow, that takes too much effort. I'm just going to, you know, blow it off. You know, because that, it's just, ah, oh, there's so much resistance in that, that little bit. But, you know, then the next time I persevered, I just kept paying attention, paying attention. And I discovered something really fascinating to me about sloth and torpor. I found for myself that... Um, uh, right before sloth and torpor, I would get these little, um, little fragments of dream. You know, I'd still be awake, but there's little baby fragments of dream that I would call dreamlets. There's these little pieces, you know, that were, they didn't make sense, but they were, and I was still aware and awake, and that those led me into sloth and torpor. You know, just go from there right into and sink into sloth and torpor. And, but it took that extra effort, you know, for me to force myself to look when all I wanted to do was just get dreamy. And um, it was really worthwhile, you know. And, um, and, you know, now, you know, I can just hang out in that, in, that, in that when it arises and stay very sharp and very clear there. Um, so, you know, everybody's mind's a little bit different, you know, I'm, I'm, I have no idea if that, you know, will apply to you or not. But, um, but I know that by paying attention to those states when they arise, uh, you can learn a lot from that.
I mean, I find that um, even with other types of projects, beginning them often is takes a little bit of unpleasant effort, you know. So really get comfortable. Um, you know, one of the things I said, um, I've often thought about in the practice for myself is that, uh, you know, I've gotten much more comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that that's a really important quality. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable, you know, and the, you know, and it, there's some ease to it in my life now to be uncomfortable. It doesn't feel so hard to be uncomfortable. And then the, the last thing I want to talk about is um, about effortless effort. Um, you know, energetic effort includes, a, you know, in its ideal state, it's a very relaxed effort. Um, you know, with any skill, you want to use the right amount of force. You know, if you're swinging a hammer, right, you don't want to smash it, you know, right? You, you break something you know, maybe your thumb even, you know, but, um, you know, you want to just get it just at the right level. If it's a musical instrument, you know, you want to, um, you know, you want to hit the piano keys just, just right. There's, there's just this, uh, this, this balance. Um, and with anything we do, we're, we're looking for this place of balance with our activities, um, you know, as we get good at them, you know. Like when you're first learning to play the piano, you just don't sound very good. You're like, you know, picking the notes and and same thing with a hammer. I remember first time I swung a hammer, you know, I, I totally missed, you know, and, you know, bent the nail and, you know, eventually swung enough times, got it in. <laughs> um, and you develop the smoothness, uh, an effortlessness. It's it's kind of fun. Um, you know, any of you, any of you who've uh, played music, you know, you know, like, there's times when you practice and you're practicing, and then there's times when you're playing, you know, and it's, uh, it's you're just playing the music, and it's, it comes from the heart. It's uh, joyous. And, you know, same thing with the practice. Sometimes the practice feels like, well, we're practicing. You know, we're, yep, back to the breath, yep, back. And other times it's e- it becomes effortless. And the thing about effortless effort is we can't force it. All we can do is create the conditions for for that to arise. Um, in jogging, you know, running, we call it the zone. You enter the zone where you just, you know, you feel like you could just run forever. It's just this wonderful feeling where you can just, uh, um, you know, I think most athletes or musicians or c- kind of experience that state. And it's, um, s- you know, it can happen in meditation too. Then there's times where there's this, uh, the effort is just, uh, doesn't require effort. It's just there. And um, what's really clear about that effortless effort is those are moments where there's no greed, hatred, or delusion. Any moment of effortless effort, you're not wanting anything. You're right here. You're not, wa- you're not reaching forward. You're not pushing anything away with aversion. Effortless effort, I- the defilements are at bay. There's nothing um, drawing you to or from. Uh, you're you're fully immersed in the present. Um, I read uh, about these. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the um, 
uh, Tendai School of Buddhism in Japan. It's, uh, I guess, kind of a small school of Buddhism. Um, uh, they're known as the Marathon Monks. And um, it's uh, considered one of the most demanding physical um, uh, and mental challenges, you know, in the world, you know. Um, in the last, uh, like, 130 years, only, uh, what is it, 46 people have completed the 1,000-day challenge. And what they do is um, they do 100 days of daily marathon for seven years. Okay, every year they do 100 days of marathon. And actually, um, when you read the details, they actually sleep two hours a night during those times because they're doing other things during that time too. And, um, and then the last year, they do 200 days. And um, they ended with a seven-day water fast uh, where they don't, um, I'm sorry, not water fast, a a, a fast of no water, a fast of nothing, seven days of of not drinking, not not eating, and not lying down. So they have to stay seated. Uh, so it's it's really a, a, this grueling, uh, what seems like this very incredibly grueling practice. Uh, but the reason I brought it up, <laughs> uh, so when you're suffering, so you could have a comparison. No, <laughs> uh, the reason I brought it up is because they interviewed um, uh, the monk that uh, completed the last one who completed this, and um, was incredibly humble. You know, he was just so clearly, you know, he did this as a service to humanity, not for his own ego, you know, so it's quite beautiful. But they said, how did you do this, you know? And he said, every moment that I was running, um, that I was exerting, I relaxed everything, every muscle in my body except the ones I actually had to use. And so when, you know, when you start going uphill, you switch your muscles and relax all the others, you know, relax, the face is relaxed. You don't need to scrunch up your face. Uh, so, and that's what he kept doing throughout the whole time is relaxing everything he, he could and just putting out just the right effort, just the right effort. So, um, I just want to end, I'd like you to just close your eyes. I'm just going to read to you uh, one small thought. Yeah, you don't have have to change postures. Just just, uh, allow it to enter. We can meditate as if we're inviting an honored guest to our mind. We clean up our mental environment We air the room out. We gladden our minds in anticipation. And when they show up, we give this honored guest our full attention. Even if we're tired and sleepy, we still do our best to be attentive to them. Sometimes sloth and torpor is the equivalent of slouching on the couch of our mind, yawning while our guest is talking, doodling on a pad, or looking at our smartphone and not listening to them. Can we honor ourselves as that important guest? Mm 